Welcome back to Kill a Friend, where we explore the intersection of crime and entertainment every other week. I'm Christy. And I'm Jackie. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we're bridging Halloween and Thanksgiving. I'm just so glad that we're acknowledging Thanksgiving right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Since I have two Christmas trees up in my house, they're not decorated. <laughs> Well, because I was just thinking about how we tend to skip over. I was like, we don't have a November. We have December 1st through 61st. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it yes. just goes all the way through. But this movie is the first, like, Halloween Thanksgiving kind of thing I've ever seen. Like a fun combo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Super fun. This is Pilgrim, a Hulu original. And we'll get to that in just a second. But before we do that, I showed and promised last time when we were doing our live Halloween episode that we have a super cool 2020 dumpster fire ornament (laughs) that I'm going to give away designed and handmade by yours truly. Yes. And it's perfect. It's beautiful. It's so much fun. Jackie's going to put one on her tree. I am probably right front and center too. (laughs) Good. Okay. (laughs) Excellent. I'm going to give one of these away, but in order to get a chance to win, you have to send us your hometown crime for our Christmas episode because we always do a hometown crime episode where we each tell our own short story and then include as many listener stories as we can. Yes. Which is always fun. I love getting those. Always super fun. We love it. I'd be happy to do a drawing and mail this to one of you that has sent in and you'll get to hear yourself. You'll be internet famous on our podcast. (laughs) All you have to do is send that story Mm -hmm. to us by December 4th. You can do that. By sending us a direct message on Facebook, Killer Friend Podcast Exploring the Intersection of Crime and Entertainment, you can send us a direct message on Twitter at Killer Fun Pod, or you can send us an email, killerfunpodcast at gmail.com. So do send those in starting now, December 4th. You'll have time to ask your family if you're seeing your family this year for Thanksgiving. You, you don't want to talk about politics. No, so talk about murder. That's right. Ask a, like, what's the weird thing that happened in your family's hometown when you were a kid or when they were a kid or like the weird murder or the strange guy that lived down the street or the weird disappearances uh-huh, or the stupid criminal. We love stupid. Oh, criminals. we love stupid criminals. You know what? It's kind of funny when, when, well, you just, what a dumpster fire it is when we're telling people that politics is more of an inflammatory subject <laughs> than like crime yeah. and murder and kidnapping and paranormal mm-hmm. weirdness. Right. Cheers. <laughs> Here. Here. <laughs> so send those in by December 4th and you have a chance to win this super cool little ornament. I'm so super proud of them. Are you? I mean, I mean, I, I personally have conflicted because I want you to sell them because they're amazing, and yet I'm like, no, 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 no. These are these. very exclusive. Yes, these are exclusive. I made like thirty something of these. Yes. So yeah. are they numbered? You need to number. Them? You need to sign it. Oh. You do need to sign it. We need to sign it. Oh well, I might, I might put fun. a little you might need something. To put something. There's a little thing, a little, little pocket. A little pocket. <laughs> That might have a little something in it. A little something. Yeah. 
So we'll see. Anyway, so Pilgrim. Pilgrim. <laughs> because we weren't quite ready to give up the Halloweeny stuff. Not really quite ready, no. And we're not quite ready. I might be ready. Jackie's <laughs> not quite ready to move on to Christmas just yet. We yeah. like the Thanksgiving. We really enjoy Thanksgiving in our house, but yeah. we but it takes a long time. Two nine foot Christmas trees in my yeah. house. You have a like forest thing going on. We, it's we amazing do, though. We do a lot of decorating, and it takes a long time, and it takes a lot of effort. So we want to enjoy it for as long as we can. So yes. things go up in shifts, and but anyway, but we really do enjoy Thanksgiving yeah. very very much. So this is a fun way to talk about that but still kind of enjoy Halloween a little bit. Well, it's true and you know what it also does is it gives me an opportunity to tell you one more thing about myself that people don't know. Is that okay, we all know I'm afraid of spiders. We've we've established that. Mm-hmm. And I have one other quirk I'm not even going to talk about right now. Uh, however, <laughs> I am also kind of really afraid of pilgrims. Uh-huh. And Puritans. Uh-huh. In general, they are terribly frightening. They are terribly frightening. I didn't force her to watch this. She picked this. I did because I was like, oh, that's so terrifying. I can't look away. I have to see it. You know? And so I was like, I've just got to. But I'm like, first of all, I feel a little validated. Because finally, I mean, spiders have been the, you know, the mascot of Halloween forever. So I feel like people, even if they're not afraid of spiders, they understand that they're scary. That's uh-huh. why they're the mascot for Halloween. So I, you feel a little vindication, like there's a reason to be afraid. I also get bit all the time, which is an aside. You do. I actually get bit a lot, and I actually wonder, chicken or the egg, which came first? Like, was I arachnophobic because I was arachnophobic, and then I somehow, like, through synchronicity of the universe, got bit all the time? Or do I... Do I just kind of attract spiders the way some people attract mosquitoes, and that made me afraid? I don't know. But pilgrims? I've never had a run-in. There's no run-in with pilgrims. I don't understand where this came from. They're freaking scary. Okay. Well, we'll we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But this movie was super fun. Okay. Yes. It It was. And, you know, I'm watching it, and my family is coming up to me and like, what you watching? I'm like, a terrible movie. (laughs) <laughs> but you know it's one of those like I didn't really enjoy the watching of it but the kind of the thinking about it afterwards yeah like I it appreciated ended, it more yeah yeah I, I did feel like it was a little bit of two movies in one they made a shift and it uh-huh. wasn't it was subtle enough that by the time the shift was finished, I sort of wished it had just been like that from the very beginning. Uh-huh. Or they had just continued on with the original. Right. But... Because it turned into a slasher. It turned into it a really funny slasher. it went from like a psychological sort of thriller to this kind of campy, funny slasher. Yes. Where like they really capitalized on the funny, the campy. Yeah. yeah. And so I kind of thought, man... If it had been like that from the very beginning... I'd have enjoyed it more. I think I would have enjoyed it even more. But I give it credit for, like, doing the twist. Instead of just a plot twist, they did kind of a genre twist on you. Right. It was kind of like, okay, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. 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 This is from the Hulu original series called Into the Dark. They were doing a horror-type movie every month that had to do with the holiday in that month. 
And I guess Pilgrim was the first of them to really capitalize on the specific holiday. Hmm. So Thanksgiving, it's very Thanksgiving themed. Oh, it's like extremely. Like super themed. It's not at all Halloween themed. Actually, no. that's kind of the what it is about the bridge. It's a Thanksgiving movie. It's just, it happens to be kind of a horror flick, which mm-hmm. is the Thanksgiving, I mean, which is the Halloween sort of. You know, right? Nod. And Hulu released it on November first of twenty nineteen. So they really they knew that this was, you know, if you're not quite done with Halloween, here here's this weird, creepy <laughs> Thanksgiving movie, and yeah, yeah. All right, so we have uh, lovely Rain Edwards, whose daughter Cody. She's really like the principal. In the movie. She really is. Yeah. Uh, she's done lots of TV, the MacGyver reboot. She was on The Bold and the Beautiful for three years. Kerr Smith is Shane, her father. And I was like, this guy looks so familiar. Oh, yeah. He's Jack McPhee from Dawson's Creek. He's been in a ton of stuff. He was the principal on Riverdale. He had a part in this little underrated show that I loved. When it was it was only on for like two seasons called Life Unexpected. It's a great little show. I haven't even no, oh, I don't know that at it's all. Like a okay. freeform kind of show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe when it was still ABC Family. It was a while back. But he was on that show too, and okay. it's it's delightful. Courtney Hengliner is Anna. She's had lots of little parts on TV and is part of a current popular Netflix binge show it's really gotten a lot of attention during the pandemic cobra kai oh so okay my family is obsessed with this and has been obsessed with this like a lot okay and i'm like again the only one who hasn't hasn't seen it and so i've caught little bits of it but they absolutely adore it okay yeah i've heard it's great i've heard it's great from them yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i haven't watched it yet i was never really a big karate kid fan yeah I, I only for the nostalgia, right? The stereotype of it, the character of it, you know, right? Not really. Uh, Peter Giles is Ethan, and he looks really familiar because he has eighty-two IMDb credits. He's been in all kinds of stuff. Not not a principal in anything really, but just yeah. lots of little parts. You've seen him places. Oh, like everywhere. Uh huh. Yeah. And then there was neighbor Catherine. Her name is Beth Curry. And I'm like, oh, she's related to Tim Curry. No, she's not. <laughs> she's another one with lots of small parts. Yeah. Right. I felt like it was a pretty... Uh, uh, pretty unknown, but uh, successful cast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, uh, I have to say, I'm more and more impressed with all of these actors and actresses coming out of Canada right now. Like, for the last <laughs> few years, you know, the stuff that they've been making has made it finally to us through streaming and stuff. Um, and I just adore that everything is coming out of there. Like, I <laughs> yeah. love it. Mm-hmm. Bring Travelers back. I don't know that one. Bring. Travelers? Bring oh, it back. Tra- oh, bring, bring back travelers. I thought you said brain travelers. I'm brain like, travelers. I was like, Ooh. brain travelers sounds fascinating. So many ideas. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I need my travelers back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I digress. Okay. So we're going to recap a slasher. Let's do it. Okay. So there's a little girl. And she's watching her parents argue, and then it cuts to this 
happy family at the same table. And you really get the idea that this is performative, that they're happy at this table. Because the only one who's actually happy is the little boy named Tate. Tate's older half-sister, who's biracial, so you know she's his half-sister, is Cody. She's a surly teen with something deeper nagging at her. Father Shane is uh, distracted constantly by work that he can't or doesn't want to leave. And it's on his tablet with him all the time. And then Anna is the mother, and she's neglected by her husband. She's both jealous of Cody and sad that Cody doesn't like her better. She's bored in her life of luxury. Um, And it's this last one that really breeds everything that comes after. So Anna informs the family that they're going to have a Thanksgiving experience. There will be a holiday meal provided for them and a whitewashed education of the olden times. (laughs) The olden times. Olden times. Quote, unquote. Mm Mm-hmm. So Anna hosts the HOA meeting for the neighborhood, and it's really the only reason she's hosting is so that she can brag about this full reenactment of the first Thanksgiving that she's having, and her catty friends see it for exactly what it is. And Cody has very briefly empathy for Anna after one of the scariest things in the entire movie happens. Cody knocks over the a whole full carafe of coffee. It was like a full carafe of coffee. And I was like, oh, those <gasps> carafes are a pain to replace. Yeah, no, you they're can't. So, they're such a pain. They get expensive. You might as well buy a new coffee maker. Yes, you will. You should. Yeah. You should. Yeah. <laughs> so the neighbor, Catherine, she's having a hard time after a divorce, and she arrives with her son, Finn, who is Cody's boyfriend. So before they start the HOA meeting, there's a knock at the door, and this announces the arrival of pivotal characters, Ethan and Patience. They're the reenactors, and they are days early after such a long journey, as they put it. And the filmmakers make a big deal about the two being invited in and crossing the threshold. And then we get a creepy title card, and I'm like, wait... This is based on a mostly true story? I know. What? I know. I was like, whoa. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Only Anna's excited to see them. And Anna tells Catherine that Pilgrim Patience is going to be staying with Catherine to help out. And nobody's excited about this except for Anna. So we have a bunch of scenes where Ethan's creepy and has foreboding music and unusual mannerisms and there's weird camera work and all that's followed by some kind of punchline. Usually. Like, it happens several times. Yes. Yeah. So neither Ethan nor Patience break character ever. Patience reveals that her true nature in Catherine's house, and everything just gets really weird from there. There's a rapidly erected hut in the backyard, an altercation with a crow, a massive amount of additional reenactors who are named only with their occupations that yes. suddenly show up. And uh, Anna finally admits that Cody's right in her assertion that the pilgrims are hell creepy. Yeah, they're really weird. super weird. And then it gets very bloody very, very quickly with very little explanation. 
or real goal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's kind of a little goal. There's a but, sort of, but it doesn't explain. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> there are many deaths that are both gross and comical, just as slasher movies ought yes. to be. Absolutely. And that's it. That's it? Yeah. That's it. So it's just not the type of movie I typically like. Yeah, I would say that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. But I can appreciate it for what it was. I mean, there. I think, all right, this is my suspense. I think that the two movies that I saw that was smashed into one with that shift in the middle that I talked about, I think they meant it to be the second movie the whole time. I just don't right. think it played as well in the beginning or something about my expectations may have uh, just not primed myself for that. Right. And I, so I, it may have been a me thing because that placard, like the call card, the whole intro to the movie was very, very funny. So it shouldn't have been surprising, but there just wasn't enough of those like really silly kind of, what, what? Uh, movie uh, yeah. moments. There was no um, in the beginning. nod and wink, wink. Right. Yeah. Right. But I wanted more, like, nod and wink, wink. And we totally got it at the end. Right. But um, I felt like they probably could have, right. you know. But it was almost like they achieved being too creepy. That's In fair. the beginning. That's super fair. So Brian Tallarico of Roger Ebert Reviews liked it just fine and really understood what it was, I think, going into it. He said the subtext that wealthy people often do ridiculous things in an effort to be different is there when she reveals to her family that she signed up for a service in which cosplayers recreate the first Thanksgiving. If you think inviting fired Renaissance workers into your home to cook a turkey is a bad idea, Cody would agree with you. (laughs) And then he addresses that whole pacing issue oh yeah which is what i think it is and he says while the first hour may be too much of a slow burn for some never fear it gets insane with bloody parts and gore but never loses its clever sense of humor did we just murder as a family Family? (laughs) which i appreciated because as they're doing it i was like oh the family that kills together right yeah well and they all (laughs) they have this great little bit of like campy filmmaking where they all raise their hands up with their Found weapons. And I love it because Anna has like a spoon. Uh-huh, yeah. But then the spoon comes back for revenge. Yeah. She was like, whatever. I will kill people with a spoon. That's and she right. did. Yes. I was happy. Yes. And it was like, I wanted more of that. I, wa- I wanted more of that in the beginning. Yes. I yes. agree. But I think that the premise didn't allow for it a whole lot. Right. Yeah, I think you know when you do when you deal with a subject that hits a little too close to home, it is really hard to make that feel campy. Dark comedy is extremely difficult, and so I think where that's where they probably fell maybe a little short is uh-huh. that they didn't manufacture a bit of the dark comedy so that we could laugh over what was actually something we've all kind of experienced, and it feels a little too on the nose for our own lives. Right. Well, you know? and it, it, like it couldn't quite decide what it was. Yeah. Is it a dark comedy? Is it a psychological thriller? Yeah. Is it a slasher? Y- exactly. And it was like, and I- it, it was all three, but it wasn't any one of them extremely well. 
Right. Everything kind of got, instead of yeah. being fused, they all right. kind of lost a little bit of it. Right. Yeah. I would love for these guys to go back and try it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> do it again. Just do it again. Like, do it again. Same actors, same everybody. Just, just do it again. <laughs> so Decider.com does a stream it or skip it. Oh. Which I think is super fun. John Serba had his take on it. When Pilgrim isn't being funny, it's being serious, which is just one way of saying it's totally inconsistent. There you go. Fair. It's a wild critique of many things. Thanksgiving traditions, upper middle class suburban life, our obsession with technology, fundamentalism, and over-enthusiastic cosplayers, maybe. You can't say it's unambitious. Fair. (laughs) And their recommendation is... Stream it. Oh, hey, see all of that? And you still say stream it? I mean, that's pretty awesome. Right. That tells you how good it is, actually. Um, I mean, if you just need, like, an hour and a half worth of, like... I appreciated that as well. Yeah, that it wasn't overly long. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciated that. It was not a movie that needed to be overly long. Mm -hmm. The story didn't have to be that complicated. No. For you to, like, get it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Is It True? Hi, this is Molly and Cody, the hosts of Over the Fence True Crime Podcast. Please join us as we talk about true crime in the most normal place in the world. Over Over the the fence. fence. To be specific, over our backyard fence. We're both moms of humans and of dogs. We live directly next door to each other and share many conversations about life and family, but mostly true crime over our backyard fence. And we invite you to come learn more about true crime and, well, us. We give a lot of attention to California true crime, but have ventured throughout the U.S. and even across the pond and plan to continue our world domination in the near future. Listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts or give us a follow on Instagram at over the fence underscore podcast. So grab a drink and talk with us over the fence. Thanks for sticking with us through that quick break. Is it true? So this is based on something true. Wait, what? Well, so I really laughed at the phrase they used because they said <laughs> based on a mostly true story. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that's interesting because usually things are mostly based on a story. And yeah. We, they may, it was. See, that was the <laughs> first campy thing. It was really funny. Uh-huh. Yes. And it was really funny. Yes. And they showed, they showed this picture. Okay. So that picture yeah. was of co-writer of the script Noah Feinberg and when he was a little kid his mom had a reenactor troupe come to their school okay as part of the PTA and when this guy showed up to do it he stayed with them and never broke character See, that's just creepy, man. Super creepy. So this is what his imagination was, that uh, this is how it was going to go down? Right, yes. (laughs) And this was like, he was, this is not a good idea. (laughs) Mike, you think? It's not a good idea. (laughs) But, I mean, obviously his family didn't get slashed to death because they're all still alive. There is a part, there's a part of it that doesn't sound so, so bad. Fair. It doesn't sound terrible. Okay, so like you could go to Big Bend and you can actually go there and they'll do the same thing. Like you go and you sign up for it and you're part of like many people who are there in the cabins and then you come together and they do, they put on a whole thing. Yeah. 
And it, there's something that's actually kind of appealing about maybe having the history come alive, especially if they actually bring the true history and do something. <laughs> Not the whitewashed history? Yeah. Like uh-huh. maybe if they do present something that would have been of interest, like there is something that's slightly interesting about that, mm-hmm. except for the little Puritans thing. Yeah. And that's scary. We'll get there. <laughs> so, but if there, I'm going to post a video of Noah Feinberg talking about his experience there's like a two three minute video of him telling it's adorable okay so cute and it's a little funny and (laughs) so i'll post that on our social media and again you can find us on facebook killer fun podcast exploring the intersection of crime and entertainment you can find us on twitter at killer fun pod or you can send me an email killer podcast at gmail.com if you when you send us when you send us your hometown crime if you need a link to that cute little video, let me know and I'll send it to you. So did the pilgrims invent Thanksgiving? <laughs> we're going to go there, huh? Oh, We're, we're going to go there? We're going to go there. We're going to so, go there. So VOANews.com, Victor Morales wrote an article in 2015. And uh, so... He, yes, we all know that it's true that the Puritans lived in England. They didn't like... The way religion was handled there, so they sailed to the New World, very unprepared, it seems. Yes, and, and then and let's just interject there that people tend to think they sailed to the New World for more religious freedom. No. And that's not totally untrue, because they wanted more freedom to be themselves, but their problem was that they wanted to, to be stricter and more government governmentally you know, enforced. Right. So it's kind of a misnomer. Right. They re- they, they sailed w- here for religious freedom to a- so that they could have the freedom to oppress their religion on others. Right. Yes. Is that? Yes. That they wanted right? a more restrictive religion. They did. So yes. that's, it's kind of a misnomer. Right. People forget that. We always say, oh, they came for religious freedom. Yeah. Uh, uh, ish. Yeah. <laughs> I okay. mean... Yes, they did, but, uh, but it's, it's one of those you're not wrong situations, but right. that's not the whole... Right. It's more nuanced than that. Yes. Yeah. So uh, those people, they came very unprepared, and half of them uh, froze or starved to death the first winter. Which is pretty awful. Yep. And the Native tribes who lived here, the Native Americans, the First People Nations, First Nations people... First Nations people taught them how to build homes so that they would withstand the elements, how to farm things they didn't know how to do and did not come prepared to do. Right. Seems like the kind of thing you might want to do if you're going to move to another continent. You might want to have like some sort of provisions, but, but, but the, whatever. They, but they were they were relying on God to provide. And half of them died for it. And 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 they did. They just used somebody else's provisions and preparation and all of that kind of stuff. And and then were they grateful? As Ethan would say. <laughs> were they grateful? I'm just kidding. I could go down a <laughs> way big rabbit hole. Well they they hmm. sort of were. Yeah. Um so the very first celebration was very secular. It was not religious. It's right. always pre- Presented as some sort of religious situation. They were giving thanks to God. No, no. It was just like a three-day feast where they uh, ate and played games and never did it again. (laughs) They did it once. 
And they actually did have a Thanksgiving eventually, but it was it was a very somber event to be grateful for the end of a drought. It wasn't a big feast. It was like them sitting around and praying. Um, and in fact, them using a holiday like that and having a big celebration like that would have been absolutely unthinkable. Right. It's not, it's their stoicism actually would have been very, uh, as opposed to this sort of, right. uh, well, indulgence really right in a way, especially with the way that we kind of characterize it now. Right. Exactly. They would not eat, drink and be merry kind of people. <laughs> Puritans. N- no. <laughs> and they, they would have rejected a man-made holiday that gave thanks to God. They celebrated the Sabbath period. Like they fine you for celebrating Christmas. I mean, it's ridiculous. But yeah. whatever. So uh, John Kemp, who's a colonial training specialist at Plymouth Plantation in Plymouth, Massachusetts, said when they kind of came up with the idea of having a Thanksgiving holiday, it was the late 1800s, and they didn't, they had to choose somebody to kind of be the poster children for Thanksgiving. So it's not that it was really... A tradition. A tradition. It was something that they were adding in to, to give, like give people a reason to be happy. Well, and I don't, I don't see a total wrongness in like no. looking back and seeing this documented event and realizing that it symbolizes like that was actually a, a nice coming together. Whether the Puritans got it or not, the Pilgrims got it or not, the point was that they had been accepted and taken care of. There was a generosity of spirit. There was a gratefulness there, you know, um, it, it really, it did have a good symbol. And so, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but as things go, yeah, we tend to then have a lot of transference on what that story really is. Well, yes. And the Puritans were chosen because they wanted a righteous sort of American way people to represent this. So maybe who they should have used was the people from Jamestown because they were the actual first colonizers of yeah the what we now know as the United States. But those people, mm, they had slaves. Oh, uh, those people were not nice. Those people were not nice. They had slaves. So uh, they were coming up with this. It was right around or right after somewhere in the vicinity of the Civil War. Slavery was not something they wanted to encourage. Right. So, okay, we're going to set the Jonestown people aside. So they started looking at the people from Boston and they were like, oh, they persecuted the Quakers and they burned people they thought were witches. Can't use them. <laughs> so the Puritans kind of had this, um, they hadn't done those things and they'd done plenty no. of other things, but they hadn't done Although, those things. In my mind, I kind of think of the people from Salem and all those areas, the Puritan. There was a Puritan spirit in both of those areas. They right. were different people, but it was kind of like a set situation. Right. They're all Daggum Puritans. Well, Or maybe fair. I'm just afraid of them all. I don't know. Fair. Anyways, but yes, you're right. There is a separation. But yeah. in my mind, I always kind of lump them together. Right. Like, but these, the pilgrims had a, they had a specific sort of garb as well. Mm-hmm. That made them easy to make their clothing into costumes and ignore yes. all their troubling bits. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes. 
They make, don't have a history of just complete depraved character. They were no. they were ignorant when they got here. They were, eh, you know, bless. It was a, you know what, bless their hearts. You know <laughs> what I mean? But you know, so that's that's you know, all right. So I'll accept that. But yeah. You know, I used to work in Plymouth. Really? Yeah, because when we lived in uh, Weymouth, which is right underneath Boston in the South Shore, uh-huh. my office was in Plymouth, and so oh. I would drive down there, and, um, and and there's only like really kind of two two streets, really, <laughs> I mean, like in the main area, you know, oh, and okay. so you can go down like to where the street is where you can actually see Plymouth Rock, right? Oh. And then there's like an upper street right there where um, I, my office was, and so it was nice. Um, it was a nice little tourist town that wasn't completely overrun, believe it or not, but it was just well-managed and cute place if you ever get a chance to go it's actually a it's yeah a delightful little place to go did Mm -hmm. they have people at thanksgiving time all dressed up in scary clothing no gosh they're not dumb i'm just kidding (laughs) no i don't i never experienced any like puritan telegram reenactments or uh, they do cosplayers they do have the ship Okay. Out there, and that you can so on the when you do like the touristy little tours, yes, you do have the person in costume and whatever, and you have that in Boston too, like in certain ways. But um, but it's it's not creepy. Oh, okay, good. It's, it's you know I didn't go, but it's not <laughs> creepy for your average person. Okay. <laughs> so Ethan takes Tate out to pick berries in the middle of a neighborhood somewhere, which I'm like, okay, just suspend your disbelief, Tate goes to eat some berries mm-hmm. and Ethan stops him because they're Jerusalem berries. Yeah. And they're supposedly like poisonous. Uber, uber poisonous. Yeah. So Jerusalem berries are a thing. Okay. They're also called the Christmas cherry or the winter cherry. But uh, speaking of misnomers, calling them a cherry or their whole name actually is a misnomer because the fruit that it makes, they're definitely not cherries. The plant doesn't come from Jerusalem. Okay. From South America. But it is uh, a member of the nightshade family. Oh, it is. Interesting. Okay. So you say that, and here's something I didn't realize, that nightshade family includes tomatoes, peppers, potatoes, eggplants, and tobacco. Really? Yeah. Well, interesting. Yeah. So it's not all deadly nightshade. We hear deadly Deadly nightshade. Deadly. Well, these cherries were deadly. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> not quite in the... <laughs> in the not slasher. Quite. Not quite. It was a reverse slasher. Everything inside came that, slashing that's out. That's right. That's right. It was really funny, and I about lost it. And then I yes. realized why it was supposed to look like that, because their like, insides were melting right. because of the poison, and so they were vomiting up their own insides, and it was like the grossest, hysterical thing I've ever seen. Yes. It was great. It was great. And you, <laughs> you knew, I mean, if you were paying attention you knew. you knew that cody had slipped these berries into yes. their d- cranberry sauce cranberry sauce thank you yes that they had them sitting there grinding berries and she made cranberry sauce yeah. and then ethan made a big deal about have to put the cranberry sauce on the main course of the dinner mm-hmm. and then they all ate it and they all ate Sloppily. it, it gross. yes they ate it and they enjoyed it but so all parts of the plant are indeed poisonous okay but it's mostly the leaves and the unripened fruit. The ripened fruit would be less so. And it does cost, cause gastrointestinal distress, mm-hmm. typically, but not till 8 to 10 hours later. Oh, so it's like a while and then you'll be you'll have like food poisoning it's, style, not like... 
yeah. you know, vomit your inside style. Well, and I mean, you could have stomach pain, diarrhea, 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 fever, hallucinations. You might have some loss of sensation, uh, vision changes, whole litany of things. Um, but most people get better in one to three days, okay. depending on how much they ate. And hospitalization must be necessary, but death is uncommon. No. And it's certainly not going to melt your insides. And have you vomit them up within, within 20 minutes. Yeah, that mean, I mean, it was a really, I wish that was true, because it was like really, you know, savage. <laughs> you know? It was really savage, but very fun. <laughs> is gratitude a prescribed biblical teaching? Ooh. 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 Open up that wormhole. Just just a little bit. So bloggersforthekingdom.com points out that gratefulness in the Bible is almost exclusively to be directed at God, not at your fellow man. That you're supposed to express your gratitude for the things you have from the Lord and not so much for the people around you. Now you could extrapolate that yes, yes. you're going you should treat others well mm-hmm. and be gratitude. But be gratitude. Be gratitude. Be, be grat- thankful. <laughs> Just be gratitude. Be gratitude. Um, be gratitude. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And in fact, the word gratitude doesn't appear in the King James Version at no. all and is only cursory appearances in other translations. Yeah. So um, thankfulness, yes. Being kind, yes. Gratitude, as, as, as severe as the way the Puritan characters in this movie were making it to be the end-all yeah. and be-all. Uh, no. Yeah, well, and their definition of gratitude was a little sus to begin with. But, <laughs> you know, that's, that's fair. Um, you know, but we often conflate. I mean, we, we, I mean they're, they are similar, gratefulness and thankfulness. But they're not the same. But psychology has a lot to say about gratefulness and the power of gratefulness. Um, and that you, could, you could argue that there's themes of gratefulness in the Bible, not necessarily using that word, but that it constitutes a general attitude that would include what people might say are the fruit of the Spirit. Right. Love, joy, patience, kindness. You know, those things that, and basically love, because it would keep you from taking things for granted. Right. Which is kind of, you know... That would be right. So you know you could you could make the argument, but um, but yeah, well, they didn't exactly nail gratitude. Not either. Not, not biblically. Not secularly. No. Nope. No. I'm not mean, at all. I would say your relationships. Yeah. If you express gratitude for the people around you, mm-hmm. your relationships are better. Your relations are, are better, and you know what? They weren't wrong. I mean, they no. did not have gratitude for each other. <laughs> But, no, but uh, they kind of took it to an extreme. Actually, I think they, I think, I actually liked the mom. I thought stepmom did not take her family for granted. No. That's why she went to such extremes to try to do something about it. it. Doesn't mean she didn't have her own faults, but a lot of that was just about insecurity. Because she was so grateful for it, she never wanted to look like it wasn't good enough. Right. I don't, I thought actually... You know, she went, she turned out to be the most likable most character. Most likable character, yeah. even though I, you know. You yeah. wanted to throttle her a little bit. A little bit. But, yeah. 
So Ethan told Cody that because she didn't appreciate appropriately, she couldn't give respect. And so I wondered how closely those two ideas were related. And so somebody on Quora asked, do respect and appreciation mean the same thing? Oh, interesting. What did they say? Kip Wheeler had a very nice response. So he said he could respect that Hitler's speeches were examples of charismatic persuasion, but he didn't appreciate their content or their results. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that appreciation implies gratitude. So you can respect somebody without any warm feelings towards them. You don't have any gratitude towards them, but you can respect that they're important or successful or whatever. Yeah. That again, our English language makes it so hard because I think when we say respect, we actually, we, Often mean appreciation. We mean appreciation and we mean warm gratitude. We mean that they look up to us. Like mm-hmm. if we want somebody to respect us and respect who we are or respect our expertise, what we're actually saying is that they want we want them to accept our expertise as true. We want them and to appreciate it. Appreciate it and to turn towards it and to value it as something that's correct. But the truth is, I don't know if if you I don't know that you can avoid all sorts of warm feelings, but I think that we tend to think warm means submissive. Mm, yeah. And and I know that's kind of a, a stretch, but I'll put it this way. I love the ocean. Uh-huh. I have very, very warm, fond feelings of the oh, ocean, okay. right? I also respect it, but I actually respect it for the not warm feelings. Right. The ways that it can kill me. Right. I won't drink its water. It will dehydrate me and I will die. I respect those things about it. And in fact, those things are not warm and fuzzy at all. My respect of it is, is not, is, is, is actually kind of submissive, Mm -hmm. but my warmth of it is actually the not submissive side. So it's really speaks to this interesting idea of being kind of on equal footing. That's, that's what promotes a certain level of warmth and, and beauty. And, and it can be a respect nature, but respect itself does definitely not have to be, you know, uh, warm. But it does actually mean a bit of submissiveness. I will okay. submit to the fact that the ocean will kill me. Therefore, I will not go up in a badly designed boat. Oh, there you go. Does that make sense? Yes. I feel like so, that was like okay. a long trail. Okay, so uh, let, let's put it another way in a way that specifically relates to you. Okay. You can respect that spiders have an important <laughs> role in the ecosystem, yes. but you don't appreciate them. No. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. There's no warm there and fuzzy at all. No. But I will submit to the fact that they're little creepos who belong <laughs> to be here. There is a submission and I kind of in respect. Love spiders. I yes. know you do, but there is a submission there. Isn't that weird? That right. there's a submission to respect, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be warm and fuzzy. Right. That's weird. Yeah, it's interesting. Boy, I feel like that. I feel like I need to go flush all of those thoughts out. So if you just <laughs> if you just listen to all of that and you went, where are you going with this? I get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I will flush that out, but. Well, let's talk I, about know, ice picks as weapons let's, let's then. Go, let's go on. So another <laughs> Quora answer for me, because Cody, <laughs> in ridiculousness, <laughs> and the, the sla- funny slasher part of this movie, <laughs> I don't even know how Patience Hand ends up 
by her head, oh, but she ends that, up... That, because she sees the ice pick coming, oh, and she goes to protect herself, up. and that's when it went in, oh, and okay. it, like... Yeah, so it, yeah, it went, <laughs> it put her hand, stuck it to her skull with the ice pick. Yeah, like it nailed her hand to her skull using yeah. the ice pick into her brain. Yeah. Okay, so an ice pick is, I was like, how much force do you really need to get through a skull with an ice pick? Because it seems like you'd need more force than that. Mm. Uh, No, actually, it's very effective at puncturing things like cowhide or like in a motorcycle jacket or a cranium or a sternum because it's so pointy Mm -hmm. and cheap but still strong and puncture wounds don't bleed very easily but i think the reason she didn't like die and wasn't hurt very much was because her hand was in the way and so it didn't go really very deep it had to right. yeah and i like a little bit but she got it right in there and yeah yeah, I don't yeah, think most like, people would be so savage to be like, excuse me, let me pull an ice pick out of my brain and go, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, we'll get there. But it was funny. And you know what? She was it the was scariest funny. character in the whole daggum film. She really was. And I was like, boy, she nailed that. Well, I'm like, she didn't fine. have any funny lines. None. She was scary Until the that moment. whole time. When she pulled the ice pick out of her head and was like, I'm fine. And I was like, ha! Yeah, yeah. That was the only funny line that she had in the whole thing. Yeah, but boy, she nailed it. She did nail it. And she nailed being scary. She did. Um, And then, all right, psychology break. Okay, so who knows why deranged people do the things they do as a group? Um, I'm sure it's a case-by-case basis. Uh, And all of these people, assuming they're people who show up have probably various reasons for their homicidal tendencies. So we're going to set that aside. Okay. We're going to talk about you a little bit. Okay. <laughs> and um, my fear of Puritans. <laughs> well, okay. Why are you, what are, what are you afraid of? Is oh. it the outfits? Is it the, <laughs> it does not help. The, okay. Um, so what, what about what, is it just that they uh, are religious and want to push that on other people? Or? It's something about their their stoicism. Okay. And something about, yes, the immense amount of judgment that they feel so righteous in having. Okay. That is informed by such stoicism. Okay. <laughs> and, and so, yes, the Puritan, I do. Like, I, you know what, I'm a little quirky in some ways. I... If I had lived in Salem, I'd have been burned. Uh, you and me both, sister. You and me both. We would have been burned. I mean, I just... And so maybe it has to do with my oppositional personality or beliefs. Uh-huh. But I have had this fear since I was a young person. Okay. So this isn't like something I grew into as I became more solid in my beliefs. It's something I had even when I was just a really quite good kid, like a good obedient kid. was uh-huh. terrified. Something about their like God complex is just... Oh. Okay. Just terrifying to okay. me. Could it could it possibly be that they were uh, hypocritical? Well, that doesn't help. Yeah, because okay. they're just... Y- yes, because they have such judgment, but they claim such things. And they just... They're like half dead. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> well, because uh, John Lund from the University of Massachusetts at Amherst wrote a scholarly paper on <gasps> how... 
they were indeed extremely hypocritical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's something I probably didn't know when I was younger, at least right. not verbally. Now I have language to express why their theology and doctrines are completely <laughs> hypocritical. Yes. So they put themselves up as the embodiment of God's word, and they were seen in England, Elizabeth, Elizabethan England, and during the Stuart monarchies, as hypocrites and tricksters and consummate liars. Yes. That's why they left. Sociopaths. That's why they had to leave England, because they had this terrible reputation. And like you said, they didn't want to go. They went for religious freedom, but it wasn't... There's the hypocrisy. Yeah. The freedom they claimed was to be... persecution. Right. Because they weren't allowed to persecute others. Right. And then they really... They were these things. This reputation was earned. Earned, yes. Earned. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. So okay. There's a fear of churches. It's yeah. called ecclesiophobia. Okay. It's a specific phobia. And it can be an actual phobia. So phobias have to impact your life. Correct. They have to negative. You can have a fear of something without it being a phobia right. because you never encounter it and it doesn't limit your life in any way. Right. So ecclesiophobia can cause people to miss things like weddings, weddings. funerals, other religious events that would bring a family together. Mm -hmm. And there's two types. There's fear of the building itself and there's fear of what the church represents. The building. So when you have the old Gothic cathedrals, they really bring out this Victorian era horror yeah. that can be frightening for people. Little tiny chapels that's, can feel very claustrophobic. That's the one. That's the, the well, one. The Puritan little chapels that they would build. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So poorly designed and just, there's no way out. <laughs> like, right. Just, yes. And yet I do have an affinity for certain types of small chapels that are quaint and sweet. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, that was like me trying to overcome it. Like I would okay. overcome it by saying, look how sweet it is. It's okay. such a cute little chapel. Look how cozy. No, that's scary. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Like all those pictures, tagum like Bucky's. Oh. They have these beautiful photographs of like fields uh -huh. with this church in the middle. And uh -huh. I'm like, that is the most horrific photo <laughs> ever. Ever. Because it's just a scary little church yeah, out in the middle of Yeah, Village of the Damned kind of problems. Oh, like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh. Well, and even modern churches can feel very uh, overwhelming and disorienting for people. Yeah. So, um, and often churches have fairly graphic imagery in them sometimes. <laughs> Jesus on the cross and blood and death, and that can be very frightening for people. Yes, yes. So... The other type is actually like fear of what the church represents. Mm -hmm. So you might have a legitimately plausible fear because there are true stories of pedophile priests. Organized religion has typically persecuted the homosexual, transgender mm -hmm. communities and done now debunked. I appreciate that in this article. Debunked conversion therapies. They don't work. This is from Very Well Mind. And I appreciate Laura Frischter for including that it's 
conversion therapy is debunked does not work it is also against the law yeah you cannot pray the gay away right yeah Uh, yeah and that's not what they were doing by the way so that's part of why it's debunked right and so there's a lot of good articles on that so if you're if you're worried about that the point is that the conversion therapy was not praying it away right no it it was was, horrific torture of all sorts right and um yeah so anyway Yep. And if you're afraid, if you're comfortable in your own church and afraid of other religions or other churches, then you might be having xenophobia and not ecclesiophobia, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, xenophobia is really a fear of strangers, but it extends to religion in yes. a lot of a lot of ways. All right. Real life. Anna summoned the reenactors to the home. And, uh, it, but it really might have been Cody in the realm of this movie who <laughs> invited the evil in because she got the larger half of a wishbone with her little brother Tate. Yes. And she wished that the whole thing would backfire in her stupid face. Yes. <laughs> so why do we do wishbones? Oh, <laughs> Okay, so from How Stuff Works talks about it. It's actually really, really old. Okay. That 700 BC, the Etruscans understood birds to be oracles and that they told the future. Just why in movies, when you see witches, they like cut open a bird and read the entrails and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it's weird and gross, and that's where this comes from. So when the. Etruscans would kill a bird, usually a chicken. They would leave the wishbone out in the sun to dry out so that they could get some of that power that birds could tell the future. Like it was a little divining rod and they would hold it and pet it and make wishes on it, which is how it came to be called the wishbone. Okay. Okay. Because they'd hold it and they'd wish on it and they'd hope to see the future. Okay. I mean, you know, we know different things now. They didn't know things then. Now yeah. now we know some things. So the Romans kind of picked up on this. And chickens were really scarce. They weren't super plentiful. So when people wanted to have the wishbone to be able to make wishes on, mm-hmm. there wasn't enough to go around. So they'd dry it out and they'd break the wishbone so that everybody could have a little piece. Okay. Okay. So then the British picked it up from the Romans. And then <laughs> the people who had such a deep faith in God, you know, that they shouldn't be worrying about wishes, mm-hmm. brought it to with them, the Puritans, the pilgrims brought it with them to to Plymouth Rock okay and continued the tradition and of course there were lots of chickens and turkeys and wild game that had this particular bone in it mm-hmm. so then it just kind of became this game this game this hope for luck fun wishful sorts of thing how rebellious yeah and they believe that the wishbone is where the term lucky break came from the lucky break break. yeah that is interesting yeah okay yeah so and if you have a little necklace with Mm a a wishbone on it yeah you know you think it's lucky no no it's not lucky it's the promise of luck because you only get the luck when you break it 
Oh, interesting. So if it's a full wishbone on your necklace. Too bad for you. Yeah. So Interesting. <laughs> was Ethan a name they would have even used in olden times? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Really? The Omaha World Herald had an article in 2018. Cleveland Evans did a little research, and he found that it was a fairly obscure biblical name that Puritans adopted and used. They so did use it, it would have been a name they used. But Puritans were terrible at naming their children. I think they hated their kids. <laughs> As Ethan and Patience go, those are the normal names that Puritans use. So okay. would you like to hear some of the weird ones? Yes, please. <laughs> so the really strange ones. Okay. I picked a few from this list from Slate by Joseph Norwood. <laughs> if Christ had not died for thee, thou hast been damned. That was, that was a child's name. And he went on to become an economist. And, you know, funnily enough, he decided to go by the name Nicholas. Yeah. <laughs> because Christ had not died. If Christ had not died for thee, thou hast been damned. Doesn't quite roll, roll off, off the, the tongue. tongue. <laughs> it's not uh, very welcoming either. No. Uh, Job raked out of the ashes. Wrestling. Which is a little weird, but kind of like as far as the other names in this list go. All right. Fly fornication? What? <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I have no answer. Name them unplanned. <laughs> name them whoops. <laughs> what the heck? Uh, joy and sorrow was a name commonly used uh, for difficult births. Like together? But yes, like joy hyphen in hyphen sorrow. That's how all these names are. When they're several, they're hyphenated. I mean, joy. All yeah. right. That's pretty common. Which is probably... Sorrow, the, not so much. Joy in sorrow. But joy in sorrow, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Remember, which I don't hate. I don't hate. Die well. <laughs> then there's mean names. Oh, no. So those those were just the weird ones. These are the mean ones. Oh, they God. were mean. Oh, God. Humiliation. Ah! Humiliation Hind had two sons in the 1620s, and he named them both Humiliation. What? What an idiot. Sorry. I know we shouldn't judge these people from a different culture and time, but I judge you for naming your child Humiliation when you yourself was named. No, it's good. No Merit. Yeah, awful. Helpless. Forsaken. Lament. That's horrible. Those are awful names. Then we have some kind of like unusually pleasant okay. ones. Silence. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, the silence, there's some, you know, that's actually a, a famous name. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, a famous, yeah. you know, pseudonym, I suppose. Right. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Credence, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Ashes. Yeah, yeah, actually, like it's not Asher. bad. I like Asher. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of similar to that. Placidia. <sighs> it's weird. I don't like it, but oh, it's, it's like placebo or like and placid, also, like like calm. I kind of thought oh, of placenta. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I don't okay. know about that one. And then we have the, like some sweet ones. Liberty. Oh, tenacious. Nice. I actually, I'm okay tenacious with that. Tenacious D. Just kidding. Felicity came See, out I like of this Felicity. area. Uh-huh. And hope. Yeah, hope. Verity. 
Verity? Verity. Oh, Verity. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. True. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. That's Those are all okay. right. Those aren't so bad. Those are all right. Those aren't awful. <laughs> I kind of been alluding to this. So I don't know who these pilgrims were. I don't know if they were off their rocker reenactors or otherworldly. And I really think that the movie mm-hmm. wants you to think it's the latter. That they're otherworldly in some way because they made the big deal about the pilgrims being invited into the house and stepping over the threshold. Yes, they did. And then Ethan had this whole thing with the crow where he's trying to teach Tate Mm -hmm. a lesson and he looks up at the sky and is talking to some unseen force. Yes. You assume it's God because he keeps talking about the Bible. But... Yeah. So I was like, what could they be? What could they be then? Because so, I didn't quite I didn't quite get there. Yeah. Okay. So but I don't know what they're supposed to be. Yeah, I totally thought they were just a cult. Oh, oh no. See, I totally got the idea that they're somehow like I felt like this was otherworldly. Like a, but then they died like people. Yeah, I kinda felt like there was like a home invasion, like criminal mind style. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that they do because they had alluded in the in the montage there was a missing family, mm-hmm. and so they had already alluded that there was missing families right. after Thanksgiving, right? And so it was like a pattern, like these right. people are. But see, and I kind of got the idea that they all they came out at Thanksgiving, murdered a family, and then they all Ooh. like disappear until Thanksgiving Ooh. again, which maybe they do. I don't know, maybe so. I don't know. But what could they be? So mythic scribes, which is. Uh, fantasy storytelling forum okay where they talk about this kind of stuff they had some ideas oh really yes um, not specifically about what the they might be but okay what kind of creatures might have to be invited into their house now of Ooh, course all of these okay. are mythical yeah this so is- you know vampires oh, well, okay. which was the first thing that came to mind so uh ghost witches and demons sometimes are required to be invited into the home. And demons specifically are understood by Catholicism to have mm-hmm. to be invited into the home. Okay. Yeah. Into the home, but not into the person, I guess. Because they believe yes. in demon possession. Right. So yes. they have to ask to come into your house, but not to come into your body. body. I think so. So okay. if you're in your home and don't give them permission to come in, you should be safe. Seems okay. like you would end up having a lot of agoraphobic yeah. Catholics, but I feel like it, I guess it's not really all that common anymore. Okay. Anyway, so Fae, which are like fairies, like kind of nefarious fairies, <laughs> nefarious fairies, <laughs> ne- nefarious. They're not like Tinkerbell. No, no, no. Fairies, like as in labyrinth, they bite. You. Yes, exactly. Exactly. They're like giant mosquitoes. All right, last thing. <laughs> Puritans. Not fun at parties. No. No. They banned all kinds of stuff when they came to the New World. So they outlawed gaming. And, like, they went to the point where they said, you have until this date to get rid of your cards and dice. Mm-hmm. Because that's gambling. Gambling. How dare you? They punished adultery with death. They banned fancy clothing. Smoking in public. If you missed Sunday services, you go in the stocks. You celebrate Christmas, you get a fine. The only holidays that they celebrated were Election Day. Commen- <laughs> Hold on. I 
anxiously awaiting election results. We don't yet know. In the United States. There is like a colliding of problems and issues in my mind right now. Yeah, well, separation of church and state. (gasps) Poor Jackie. She's a mess right now. (laughs) This is where it all started. Yes, of course it is. Election day. Election day was one of the only man-made, to their perception, days that they would celebrate. Isn't that, doesn't that tell you something? It's ain't so that, true. Ain't that a thing? Whew. Yep. Whew. Uh, they might uh, celebrate commencement days where you graduate from schooling. Okay. And training day, which involved military exercises. <laughs> it all makes so much sense when you wrap it all up that these are the things that they valued and the only things they celebrated. You remember that scene in Hackers where it was all stupidly animated, where all the puzzle pieces kind of came together? Uh-huh. That's what's happening in my brain right now. Uh-huh. There are so many, like, because I don't, I don't study Puritans a whole lot because I'm afraid of them. Whoa, whoa. So I never, I never really quite knew this part of it. I stick, to, I stuck with the philosophical sides, you mm-hmm. know, like the right and and wow, yeah. And, uh, yeah, this article is talking about all this stuff is from the New England Historical Society. And they have a quote from H.L. Mencken. (laughs) You'll appreciate this. Puritanism is the haunting fear that someone somewhere may be happy. (laughs) 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 Jackie's like, it all's like, it's like. Legos in her brain. Click, 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 click. Yes. It's all falling into place. My fear of them is so much a projection of... Because I... Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good thing they're not walking around the streets anymore. Well, so I'm telling good. you, what if I saw one, he wouldn't be walking long. <laughs> and I'd get a spoon. <laughs> Get a spoon. <laughs> and I'll get the bail money. <laughs> They're never going to let me out. Oh, All right. Okay. So don't forget to send in your hometown crying stories so that you can win your super, super cool Christmas ornament. And next time we are going to take a little more lighthearted view yes. of Thanksgiving. <laughs> but still crimey. Little grimy. Yeah. Tower Heist with Ben Stiller, Casey Affleck, and Eddie Murphy. Sounds so, like a blast. A little bit of fun. So thanks for listening. We know you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio, and we so appreciate that you make the choice to listen to us. It's an honor. Yes, honestly. It is. Thank you. So honor us further by telling your friends. Yes, please share. It's way more fun when you listen to a friend. Until next time. Be safe, be kind, and wash your hands. See you next time.